0: I was a college student, I had a friend uh, by the name of Dan. Uh, Dan was uh, taller and better looking than I was, uh, just to set a kind of scale things out there. And uh, uh, Dan, when we arrived on campus at our school, uh, he noticed a, uh, a young lady by the name of Dana uh, on the campus, and he was interested in her. And uh, over the ensuing weeks, uh, as we uh, progressed into Year of college, uh, an amazing thing uh, really happened. Uh, wherever we would go, uh, we would see the name Dana, or meet people named Dana. Uh, We went out to eat uh, as a group, and uh, our hostess, her name was Dana, and when she sat us down, we all said, Dan, it's a sign. You need to ask Dana out. Uh, at that same restaurant, uh, our waiter, our order, and his name was Dana. Uh, and we said, Dan, this is clearly a sign that you need to ask uh, Dana out. Now over the weeks this happened again and again. In fact, one time we were in an elevator at, at a, uh, a nursing home we administered and the inspector that signed the certificate on the elevator, their name was Dana. And so our his supportive group of friends told Dan, this is clearly a sign Need to ask Dana out. Now, this went on, as I said, for some time until one fateful day, uh, Dana uh, was in line in the cafeteria, not surrounded by a group of our, her friends. And uh, Dan, uh, we, an Dan, we all went up to him and said, Dan, we've read the signs. You need to ask Dana out. Uh, and my friend Dan, old confidence Dan, went up to the had a conversation with her and then walked back to us. It was at that point that we realized that signs are very difficult to read. (laughs) Uh, Dana was not interested in going out with Uh, him, not at all. Uh, Signs are like that, though. Uh, uh, That that was very uh, instructive in my life, because I I don't know if it it is true of you as it is for me, uh, that you have observed that many people can make signs see. make signs mean whatever they want them to be. It is so easy for signs, uh, for us to find signs for what we'd like uh, to be true. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about uh, signs in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, in fact, we're going to say two conversations uh, that Jesus had. Uh, one conversation with, was with his opponents, and one was with his allies. Uh, one was about signs of Jesus' identity. And the other uh, conversation was about signs of his character. One was with those who refused to to see what was right before their eyes. And the other with those who failed to trust. Uh, But both of these conversations revealed the transformative nature of faith. Let's read Matthew 60, verses 1 through 12. Uh, And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks Sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And so he left them and departed. Now, when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And so when Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, now they began discussing it among themselves, saying, Ah, oh, we brought no bread. Uh, but Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of no faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember on the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you Not for the seven loaves, the four thousand and how many baskets you have? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak of bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of, of the bread but of the teaching of the pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, let's pray uh, dear god we thank you for your word and we ask that you uh, that you would make it plain to us not through the ministry of your spirit uh, i pray that we would understand what you were saying and uh, what you are saying A, a, an understanding of scripture uh, we think of pharisees and sadducees and we have a somewhat general concept of them as uh, as religious leaders in jesus state uh, perhaps if we read a little bit more we would say yeah those they had an adversarial relationship uh, with jesus uh, uh, the pharisees and sadducees uh, however if we were a first century audience reading or hearing or we experiencing this story uh, there's an additional reaction that we would have In fact, the Pharisees and Sadducees were unlikely allies to each other. Uh, Really, all of our information about uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees in Jesus' day uh, come from uh, what we read in the New Testament. uh, Secondly, from the writing of Josephus, who was a first-century historian uh, who wrote in the the latter half of the first century AD. Uh, And then there are a few other rabbis who wrote about uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. And from everything that we read from these sources, they largely did not get along. Uh, these groups were were usually in opposition to each other, and so to see them cooperating with each other is it seems quite unlikely. Uh, you see, the Sadducees they were uh, they were a the priestly aristocracy. Uh, they were wealthy. They hold positions of power and influence. Uh, they were the dominant sect within the Jewish religious uh, council called the Sanhedrin. And the high priests uh, that served in the temple uh, usually come from the branch of the Sadducees. On the other hand, the Pharisees uh, did not hold the, the same level of positions of power and authority. Uh, they tended to be uh, lawyers and scribes and teachers, uh, respected positions at one level, but not necessarily uh, the real influencers and power workers in their society. And uh, their approach to religion and their approach to God and their approach to life uh, was very much in opposition uh, to each other. Uh, I apologize if some of these colors are a little bit difficult to read. Uh, the Sadducees. Uh, let, let's look at some of the differences between the Pharisees and Sadducees, because uh, the, the text in this passage it talks about the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And I think it's helpful for us to know a little bit more about what they believe, but we're to understand what Jesus was warning his disciples about. Now, first of all, his approach to life. Uh, The Sadducees tended to be very, uh, more secular and pragmatic in their approach to the nation and the law. Now, what that means is the Sadducees were more likely to get along with the Romans. They were religious, yes, but, uh, well, it's good to be religious, but it's better to get along with the powers that be. They would be the kind of leaders in our day uh, who get invited to the presidential prayer records. Uh, and when they go, uh, they don't ruffle any feathers, they don't make any waves. Uh, that's why in John 11 48 uh, is the high priest who says about Jesus, Now, if we let him go on like this, uh, everyone will believe him, and the Romans will come, and they will take away both our place and our religion. Uh, you see, the heart of the Sadducees to say, Hey, Things are going okay, let's keep them stable. We're doing well. Now the Pharisees, uh, on the other hand, uh, their approach was far more religious and ideological. Uh, They believed and believed deeply. Uh, They were oriented towards God, not towards uh, secular society. Uh, They were not pragmatic at all in their approach. These are the folks that imagine 23. Uh, uh, jesus confronts to say uh you tie even your your mint and your dill and your cumin uh you're doing all of these things that you believe that will make you right towards god Uh, they weren't pragmatic at all they were very concerned about uh obeying the law and doing what god uh, god they thought god prescribed. Uh, even though often as we've seen throughout matthew uh, they focus on the external rather than The Sadducees, secondly, uh, they were very temple-centric. They were the keepers of the priesthood. Uh, They were the ones who maintained the sacrifices. Uh, They believed that they only believed what was specifically in the law, and so they saw a large focus on the temple uh, and the rituals of the temple. The Pharisees, on the other hand, uh, thought of religion more as a law-focused way of life. Uh, It's not that they didn't care about the temple. The important thing was keeping the law, uh, not just maintaining religious rituals. Uh, The the Pharisees were consumed, and we've seen Matthew with with hand washing and Sabbath keeping? Uh, When they saw a law like, don't work on the Sabbath, the Pharisees are the ones who said, don't work on the Sabbath. But what does that mean? Uh, How much can you carry? How far can you walk? We need to define what exactly work is. Uh, As I said, they were the lawyers. Uh, They were the master fence builders. What fence builders are. Uh, they are the folks who said, well, there's a, a place that we're not supposed to go. Uh, but just to make sure nobody goes there, we were going to build a fence around that area. And then after a while, they say, man, that fence is a little bit too close because people can still see uh, the place that they're not supposed to go, so we're going to build another fence. Uh, that's what the Pharisees did. They, they made layers and layers out of the law so people could front of them, he often said, man, you're more consumed with your law than than the heart of the law. Um, Fence builders, they still live uh, to this day. I was raised by some fence builders, uh, actually. Uh, The fence builders said, hey, uh, avoid every appearance of evil. Uh, I was raised. So we had rules about uh, about dancing. And Dana just says it right here in church. (laughs) Uh, We had rules about not going to the movie theater, uh, because uh, that was the appearance of but you watch to your own home. Uh, things were a little more lax uh, on that than those public things. That's the, the Pharisaic mindset that says uh, we're going to build fences around uh, to keep people far away from it rather than focus on what the heart uh, of the law is. Uh, Pharisees temple center. Pharisee, no, Sadducees Temple Center. Pharisees focus uh, on the law as a way of life. Uh, also, when we look at the, uh, the Sadducees, Focus on just what the Old Testament said. Uh, they were disbelieving or agnostic about angels, uh, about the resurrection, uh, or eternal rewards. Uh, the Sadducees did, uh, did not believe that there was a resurrection, an afterlife. Uh, that's why that's what led them to attempt to track Jesus a little bit later in the Gospels. When they, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we have a tough on for what if uh, the law says that if a, a man dies uh, without providing an heir to his state his brother has a responsibility to marry his widow and provide an heir unto uh, them well what happens if a, a man has seven brothers and each one dies in turn uh, and they get to heaven whose wife uh, will this woman be uh, they said haha you know we, we've spot the flaw and all your ideas about the supernatural life to come the resurrection. Uh, but Jesus responded in kind uh, uh, and didn't give any weight uh, to their view. Uh, they were focused, the Sadducees, rather than focused on eternity, were very much focused on this life. Uh, and religion was a means for them to maintain and keep power. Now the Pharisees, on the other hand, uh, they took the Bible Pharisees and literally true. They believed in the Messiah, uh, they believed in the resurrection, they believed in angels. Uh, they, uh, were are very uh, committed uh, to that. And, and in that way, uh, when actually, when we get to Acts, we discover that the, the Pharisees were, were more fertile soil for uh, responding to Jesus. Uh, more fertile soil than the Sadducees, uh, at least, uh, that would be, uh, because they took God's word seriously. Now, uh, the Sadducees, uh, as a result of all of these beliefs, they, God was very disconnected or distant. Uh, from life. Uh, they said, you know, there's very few things that the Bible teaches us, uh, but then other than that, we can pretty much go our own way. Uh, we can do our own thing. Uh, we can look out for ourselves. Uh, as long as I perform the ritual on the Sabbath, um, Sadducees felt great freedom uh, in many other areas of their life. On the other hand, the Pharisees, uh, they saw God Uh, as prescribing every aspect of life, Uh, that he dictated everything. Uh, That's why, way back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, the Pharisees are the ones that you see in the temple and pray. Uh, You see very outward shows of devotion because they saw God uh, as very involved in every aspect of their life. Uh, I hope that you get the sense that the Pharisees and Sadducees were not natural allies. Uh, They were often in conflict with each other. Uh, They approached the Bible and the relationship. uh, They approached the law and the relationship with the Roman authorities very differently. Their approach to religion was markedly different. Uh, But in Jesus, uh, they found a way to unite. Uh, The Sadducees in Jesus saw someone who endangered their power and influence. We worked so hard to make peace with secular authorities. This guy threatens to mess it up. Our life is going so well. Don't rock the boat. Uh, for the Pharisees, they saw Jesus as someone who's dangerously antinomian or anti-law. Uh, he, he plays fast and loose with the law, with the Sabbath, and the hand wash, all of our rules. Uh, and that's dangerous. Uh, without the law, who are we? Uh, without the law, how would we stand out from others? And so the Pharisees, Unite, you know, and Sadducees uh, in this story, they come and they ask Jesus they ask Jesus for a sign how do we know you are from God how can we believe what you say Uh, on what authority do you teach Uh, a seemingly simple question Uh, but maybe a reasonable question for him uh, to be asked Uh, they they just want a little bit more how does Jesus respond? Uh, his words are, uh, you are good at reading the weather, but you are bad at reading the signs of the time. Uh, he quotes a parable that exists to this day I can still picture uh, walking out of Jason Pennies with my mom as a child, and her saying, uh, Red sky in morning, sailors take morning. Red sky at night, sailors delight. All right, your mom taught you that as well this uh, axiom uh, stretches back all the way to the first century. When Jesus says, uh, you use this principle, and, and you can discern what the weather is, uh, but you are very bad at reading the signs of the times. You know, in their seeming reasonable requests, you know, couldn't Jesus do just a little bit more? Uh, if he's got some, couldn't he just give them one more sign? Uh, but Jesus says, you don't see what is before you, or perhaps what he really means is you refuse to see what is before you. Uh, What signs? Uh, Jesus healed a leper and a centurion's daughter earlier in Matthew, Then Peter's mother-in-law and two uh, demon-possessed men, Uh, healed two blind men at one time, and then a mute man, and then for big measure healed the blind and mute man. He caused a man with an atrophied hand to be strong again, and a paralyzed man to walk I healed a ruler's daughter and a bleeding woman. Uh, he fed five thousand and then four thousand. And he also calmed a storm with a word. And he also walked on water. Uh, were there any signs that Jesus was who he said he was? Now, in this, like the request seems a little less reasonable. Uh, Jesus, I just want a little bit more. Uh, did they really need a little bit more, or is there a refusal to? see uh, actually some of you should read this uh, you, you probably remember uh, a few weeks back in chapter 12 a similar questions were asked of Jesus uh, they asked him for a sign uh, and in this case uh, uh, some people see wow the bible is just repeating itself uh, but I think what the writer what Matthew is collecting is to say this is a repeated question that came back to Jesus uh, but there are many interactions they come back and they say you know Jesus we just need uh, a little bit more Uh, But Jesus, seeing their lack of faith, he gives them the same answer. He says, uh, there is a sign, uh, the sign of Jonah. Uh, Back in Matthew chapter 12, he defines that. It Said that just as Jonah was three days uh, in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be three days uh, in the earth. He defines it. Uh, Here he doesn't even define it. He just says, that is the only sign. uh, Because you ought to be able to be the sign. calls them an adulterous generation i think what he's referring to them is that they have a love of this life and what it um, what it offers them what holds for them uh, that doesn't allow them to trust god it doesn't allow them to see jesus through the eyes of faith trust and believe him so they say god you must prove yourself uh, again you know many years ago i attended a pastor's conference and, and by and large, the conference was very good. Uh, but on the last evening of the conference that I was at, the last speaker's message and their prayer uh, revealed that he wanted just a little bit more. Uh, after some fine teaching throughout the course of the conference, uh, his prayer at the end was to passionately asking uh, for a second Pentecost, was his prayer, uh, that, he, that he prayed for a mighty rushing wind to feel this place and for tongues of fire to descend. Uh, His desire was for all of the pastors to speak in tongues. I think his intentions were good. He wanted to unify us. Uh, He wanted revival in our country. Uh, But he was also asking for just a little bit more. God, if you could do just a little bit more, then, then we could really believe. Then people would really know. They just ask for a little bit more. What is uh, is the problem with this approach? Uh, I would suggest that the Pharisees and Sadducees in their request for a little bit more from God, Uh, they they do what I I say, they approach God from above. Uh, They see themselves as as powerful and influential in society, so they come to Jesus, and and Jesus' responsibility, because they are above him, they said, you need to prove yourself to me. Uh, You haven't done enough. You have to prove yourself. Uh, they approach God from above. Uh, Whereas God, I believe, asks us to approach Him uh, from below. Uh, Do we approach God from above or below? Is God on trial on whether He does what I want? Uh, I think when we approach God from above, that God's response is to say, haven't you been paying attention to what I've already done? Uh, The Pharisees and Sadducees. And I hear that sometimes we do. Uh, God created a beautiful world uh, that we enjoy so much blessing and goodness from. And, but we assume that, it is, uh, that it's ours by obligation or by right to enjoy. It isn't a, a good and perfect gift that comes from above. Uh, God chose a plan of redemption after we and Adam chose rebellion, our way over his. And he says, I'm going to still choose to reach out to you. And that was his plan from the very beginning. Uh, He forgave his people every time they came back in faith and obedience. And he receives us back every time we come to him in faith and obedience. His plan, uh, of all the ways that he could have saved us, he chose to do so by the sacrificial death of his son at the hands of those he came to save. And and then he rose from the dead at one small moment. Uh, but we we say God, if you could just do a little bit more, than I would really believe. We would really believe. Uh, we're a little bit like the story of the rich man, the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, if you recall Jesus' parable over Luke, he says that uh, a rich man who had everything in this life died, uh, and also a beggar who was in his gate, by the name of Lazarus. Uh, and when they were in their eternal uh, state, uh, the rich man. Lazarus, and he said, said, Would you please send Lazarus back to my brothers? If they knew how bad things were uh, after death, they would truly believe. And once again, Jesus in this parable says, Is there enough signs? Aren't there enough signs for them to read and to see? All they have to do is believe. There's plenty of evidence that they are willing to. Hebrews 11, says that the nature of faith is that we believe that he is and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, we come to him, uh, the good father. Uh, unfortunately, it's so easy for folks to turn God's benevolence into a feeling of entitlement, to assume what is given is mine by right. Uh, but God says, no, we come uh, as the ones who have graciously received the goodness of God. So we approach him uh, as a good father. Uh, does that mean that we don't come to God and ask for things that it is that it's wrong for us to pray? Uh, oh no. Uh, but we always come in the spirit uh, of coming to a, a father who is already established as generous and good, not obligated to. He is good. He has been good. And he will be good. He is our good father. And we trust and we approach him. Uh, Asking, bringing our requests, as Ephesians 3, boldly coming before his throne, we come. Uh, but we don't come from above, asking God to prove himself once again. Uh, we come as ones who have received grace and are receiving grace, because he is good. Uh, this brings us to the second conversation, uh, because the second conversation, uh, uh, really it, it centers on that same issue. Uh, as we read, if we kind of place ourselves into the story, it appears that Jesus and Disciples uh, were separated uh, after the events of Matthew chapter 15. Uh, and Jesus has this conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, and then eventually his disciples join him. Uh, it appears that Jesus went on ahead uh, across from the Sea of Galilee, and uh, the disciples joined him, and uh, as they came, they realized that they forgot something. They had forgotten to bring bread. Uh, Jesus, thinking of his recent conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, he says to the disciples, watch beware of 11 of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And the disciples, the disciples' minds on their own, what they lack. Uh, they lack bread. Uh, they assume that Jesus is judging them, that this is a, a, a subtle dig, when in fact he is warning them for their good. Uh, the common link in both of these stories is that both religious leaders and the disciples think that God is speaking in mysteries to them, uh, when in fact he has made things quite plain, uh, that they are plain. Should the disciples have understood what he was saying? Uh, uh, Jesus refers to the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, as we look throughout Scripture, uh, leaven has, a, has a, a common ingredient, uh, a common It's a, a metaphor that is found throughout scripture, especially in the Old Testament law, and then several times in the New Testament. A uh, writer by the name of John Nolan writes, The imagery of leaven is something that is proportionately small, uh, and as a result is thought of as, as apparently of minor significance. Uh, so much so that it, in, in its early stages, its presence in the dough is invisible, uh, which nonetheless over time totally transforms the situation in the manner that will only gradually become heaven. Uh, this is the imagery of, of leaven. Uh, Jesus spoke of leaven in chapter 13, of his kingdom being like leaven, uh, that it will spread slowly and gradually, but eventually to great effect. Uh, but more often in scripture, leaven is used to illustrate the effects of evil. Uh, Jesus' disciples would be familiar in celebrating the Passover, uh, that at the Passover celebration, they were to remove all leaven from the house during the, the, the extent of the, the Passover festival, uh, the sacrifices that were brought were to be made of unleavened bread because it was a, a symbol, just a symbol uh, of sin and evil and wickedness. And the, the power that it has, if it is allowed to grow. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, Peter, or Paul describes sexual immorality as leaven. Uh, he says it is dangerous if it is allowed and permitted in the church. In Galatians 5, he describes bad teaching as a form of leaven. Uh, make no mistake, uh, leaven is dangerous. The leaven of the Pharisees' teaching. Uh, it's interesting as you, as you think about uh, the Pharisees. You, uh, we read throughout the Gospels of these confrontations of Jesus between Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, and if you think about who usually, who do you feel like wins those confrontations? on my feet like Jesus does. That's amazing. Uh, But the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, it did seem to take root. Uh, And eventually it takes full form uh, when, in the moment of crisis, uh, a crowd shouts, crucify him about Jesus and let his blood be on the heads of us and our children. Jesus warns the disciples that the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is dangerous. Uh, To accept Uh, Their teaching, Um, while it has the appearance of godliness and righteousness, it is dangerous. And it will become apparent in time. Uh, Jesus' response to his disciples is, oh, you of little faith. Uh, He he said the real issue is a matter of faith. It's a matter of trust and loyalty to God. Uh, He said, when I I warn you about the leaven of the the Pharisees, You forget, your mind immediately turns to your your physical needs. Uh, Don't you know what I have just done? Didn't you just see me feed 5,000 and 4,000? You were very much involved in that process. You collected collected the leftovers of those meals. Uh, But once again, you assume that I am here to judge you uh, when I am good. I have provided for you. I have done everything for you. Instead, you're concerned about food jesus says that this is the problem uh, at its heart is about faith uh, do you trust me will you may remain remain loyal to me or are you going to doubt my goodness and that i am for you uh, jesus says don't you trust not worrying about bread and then he repeats beware the leaven of the pharisees and sadducees and then they understood uh, that it was not about bread. But about the teaching of the Pharisees. Uh, what is the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees that it's warning about? Uh, I believe that if, if we boil it down, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees both thought of religion as something that is helpful in this life. Uh, it's a tool uh, to get what I want, perhaps good health, or financial stability, uh, or peace in my relationships in life. Uh, religion uh, was a tool that they used to get what they want. Uh, where Jesus was looking for faith, he says, O you of little faith, uh, faith allows you to see and understand and comprehend. Because faith begins with trust and loyalty to a person and then allowing uh, his spirit to transform us. Uh, it is not about uh, us getting what we want out of life or what we think that we need. It is about entrusting ourselves to one who is good, uh, who is for us question comes back uh, to us uh, does god still need to prove himself to you uh, or have you been convinced that he is good that he is important uh, there's danger uh, that we all face when we have when we are consumed with this life in uh, our lives that uh, we do treat god uh, as if he's still on trial Uh, He still uh, is getting up for uh, his performance review, and and how is he doing in meeting our needs, uh, rather than seeing the goodness and the provision of God that overflows to us, uh, that overflows beyond measure, and and to know that when I come to God, I come uh, not as above, uh, but I come as one who has received so much, uh, but can come to him in confidence.